Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Cossade, S.J., Book 2, Chapter 2, Section 7, Trust in the Guidance of God. The docile soul will not seek to learn by what road God is conducting it. When God makes himself the guide of a soul, he exacts from it an absolute confidence in him and a freedom from any sort of disquietude as to the way in which he conducts it. This soul, therefore, is urged on without perceiving the path traced out before it. It does not imitate either what it has seen or what it has read, but proceeds by its own action and cannot do otherwise without grave risk. The divine action is always fresh. It never retraces its steps, but always marks out new ways. Souls that are conducted by it never know where they are going. Their ways are neither to be found in books nor in their own minds. The divine action carries them step by step, and they progress only according to its movement. When you are conducted by a guide who takes you through an unknown country at night across fields where there are no tracks, by his own skill, without asking advice from anyone, or giving you any inkling of his plans, how can you choose but abandon yourself? For what use is it, looking about to find out where you are, to ask the passers-by, or to consult maps and travelers? The plans or fancies of a guide who insists on being trusted would not allow of this. He would take pleasure in overcoming the anxiety and distrust of the soul, and would insist on an entire surrender to his guidance. If one is convinced that he is a good guide, one must have faith in him and abandon oneself to his care. The divine action is essentially good. It does not need to be reformed or controlled. It began at the creation of the world and to the present time has manifested ever-fresh energy. Its operations are without limit, its fecundity inexhaustible. It acted in one way yesterday, today it acts differently. It is the same action applied at each moment to produce ever-new effects, and it will extend from eternity to eternity. It has produced Abel, Noah, Abraham, all different types. Isaac, also original, and Jacob, from no copy. Neither does Joseph follow any prefigure. Moses had no prototype among his progenitors. David and the prophets are quite apart from the patriarchs. St. John the Baptist stands alone. Jesus Christ is the firstborn. The apostles act more by the guidance of his spirit than in imitation of his works. Jesus Christ did not set a limit for himself. Neither did he follow all his own maxims to the letter. 
the Holy Spirit ever inspired his holy soul and being entirely abandoned to its every breath. It had no need to consult the moment that had passed, to know how to act in that which was coming. The breath of grace shaped every moment according to the eternal truths subsisting in the indivisible and unfathomable wisdom of the Blessed Trinity. The soul of Jesus Christ received these directions at every moment and acted upon them externally. The gospel shows in the life of Jesus Christ a succession of these truths. And this same Jesus who lives and works always continues to live and work in the souls of his saints. If you would live according to the gospel, abandon yourself simply and entirely to the action of God. Jesus Christ is its supreme mouthpiece. He was yesterday, is today, and will be forever. Hebrews 13.8 Continuing, not recommencing his life. What he has done is finished. What remains to be done is being carried on at every moment. Each saint receives a share in this divine life. And in each, Jesus Christ is different, although the same in himself. The life of each saint is the life of Jesus Christ. It is a new gospel. The cheeks of the spouse in the Song of Songs are compared to beds of roses, to gardens filled with fragrant blossoms. Divine action is the gardener, admirably arranging the flower beds. This garden resembles no other, for among all the flowers there are no two alike, or that can be described as being of the same species, except in the fidelity with which they respond to the action of the Creator, in leaving Him free to do as He pleases. And on their side, obeying the laws imposed on them by their nature. Let God act, and let us do what he requires of us. This is the gospel. This is the general scripture and the common law. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God are guardians dear to whom God's love commits us here. Ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. O sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What an amazing metaphor Father de Cossard is using in this book. The metaphor of a dark path, a path that we have never been on, a path on which we cannot really see, but it's a path that we have a guide for. And in this analogy that he's putting forward, he's trying to help us understand the spiritual life. 
there are truths that are common. Keep the commandments. Pray. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be devoted to Mary. Frequent the sacraments. All of these truths are common. We, we need to know them. We all have to follow them. But what Father de Cossard is pointing out is as we follow the Lord and as we become that unique disciple that we're meant to be, there cannot really be some book that will lay everything out that we need to know. There will not be a guide, a guru, a spiritual director that will be able to tell us exactly what we're supposed to do and where we're going. Why? Because God is the guide. In the analogy, the guide who's guiding us across the dark field on which we've never been, for which there's no exact map, for which there's no one we can ask for advice, that guide is God. And God is leading us, and he knows the way, he knows his path, he knows where and how he's going to create in us that unique reflection of his son. And this book that we're reading now is trying to basically be like a ladder. He's basically saying, okay, climb up the way I'm teaching. I'm showing you how to go. But even my own book, you can kind of, once you climb up the ladder and you get to the new level, you can kind of kick it aside. In other words, Father Dekosad is trying to free us up. He's trying to allow us to understand that the guidance of God, the direct guidance of God in our lives is real. And the more we follow him, the more it takes over. And the more it takes over, the more we will be left in his hands. What did Jesus say when he was dying? Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus Christ allowed his father to shape his human life by the Holy Spirit. He allowed himself to become the word that God wanted to speak, the ultimate word. But you and I are also little words. We are little words that God is speaking to those around us. And we have to allow him to shape us, form us into that word that we're meant to be. Does this mean that we're meant to help other people find God? Yes. Does this mean that the church desperately needs people in the world to be authentic witnesses to the gospel? Yes. Does this mean that the church needs people, lay people, who can point out to others what the Lord is doing and how good the Lord is and how he is to be trusted? Yes. But for us to become those witnesses, we cannot think that there is a preset grid that we have to follow. We cannot think that someone else will be able to show us every step we have to take. Though in the end, God alone will be our guide. 
God alone will be our strength. God alone will be the one we lean on. And what he's doing now in each of our lives is leading us in that direction. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.